Pause a while, pause a while. In the humdrum of the city and beside the cloister wall. In the early morning and when shadows start to fall. See creation bending to the maker of it all. And all you have to do is pause a while. When it was still very dark, Jesus got up and he went to a deserted place and he prayed. Now you may have realized that Mark, in his gospel, portrays a busy Jesus, an active Jesus, an activist Jesus. Jesus is always teaching, he's preaching, he's healing people, and he's casting out demons. He's calling disciples and attracting a whole following. He's crossing gender boundaries and challenging religious authorities. And we're still just in the first chapter. In describing this activist Jesus, Mark has already, in this first chapter of his gospel, used his favorite word immediately five times. He'll use it another 40 times before he's done telling the story. We've been noticing this active and activist Jesus in the after-church Bible study that has been going on for the past couple of weeks. One person, after last week's study, made this interesting remark. Mark's Jesus makes me feel lazy and tired at the same time. But then, then, in the middle of this running around Jesus, comes a bit of a twist. And it struck me this week as I was reading over today's passage. We'll get to that in a moment. To catch up with the story, after that day spent preaching and teaching and healing and exercising and astounding people, he comes home to Simon Peter's house there in Capernaum. That's his headquarters whenever he's in that village. And he comes home to Simon's house only to find one more sick person waiting for him, Peter's mother-in-law. And so he goes to heal her. Ignoring the mores of the day against men and women touching, he reaches a hand to her and he lifts her up and the fever that had possessed her leaves her. One quick aside on this part of the story. I was troubled by the way in most translations, including the one in your pew, they say that Jesus heals her and then she served them. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He heals her so they, she could make them supper? I was so troubled that I worked out a translation of my own, which I'm usually too lazy to do. But when I took a closer look, it really says that she ministers with them. She serves with them, not as a servant or a slave, but like Jesus himself, the one who later says, I am among you as one who serves, who ministers with you. She ministers with them, and that's strangely enough closer to how the King James Version renders it, as opposed to our modern and enlightened translations. But I digress. No soon is Jesus done healing this woman than the word gets out. And as we read together, 
people begin to bring him everyone in the village who's sick or possessed. And he cures many of them who were sick, it says. Not all, I guess, but many. And he casts out many of the demons. Again, not all, but many. And here again, as you may have noticed, it's the demons who know who he is. Nobody else has a clue, but the demons know him. But here comes my twist. Here comes my twist. And the thing I'd like us to pay attention to and sit with today. Mark tells us, in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and he went to a deserted place. And there he prayed. He went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. It actually says early at night. So we're supposed to think that this is really, really, really early, the time of day when most of us would appreciate being in bed. Now, Jesus shouldn't surprise us that he does this, but it comes at the end of this flurry of activity, this relentless burst of action. And so I think that it grabs our attention for that reason alone. What's going on? Well, unlike many of us, Jesus knows when it's time to press pause. I was riding uptown on a number one train the other day, and across from us was a a family from out of town. How did I know they were from out of town, you might ask? Thank you, Ken. Well, at one point the dad asks, is 42nd Street the same thing as Times Square? It's a reasonable question, but it's also a pretty good indicator. Anyway, the two young boys of this family each had their own subway map opened in front of them, and they were very excited about figuring out the stops on the number one train. And so they went back and forth. Next is 18th Street, said one, and and after that, 23rd Street, the other said. And after that comes 28th Street, said the first, and then 33rd Street, that's Penn Station, said the other, not to be outdone. And then comes 42nd Street, yelled the one, And then his brother shouts, and then comes your face. (laughs) And at this moment, the mom wisely says to them, "Um, uh, that's enough. I'm pressing pause. I think she looked a little like she wanted to press pause on the entire vacation. Here's the thing. Even in Mark's gospel, with his love of action, this constant use of that word immediately, Jesus knows when it's time to press pause. Thinking of that reminded me of that song I sang a moment ago. Pause a while, pause a while. In the humdrum of a city and beside the cloister wall. In the early morning and when shadows start to fall, see creation bending to the maker of it all. And all you have to do is pause a while. If I sing it enough, you'll get it by the end of the sermon. Now, I have to say I'm not very good at pressing pause. But lately I've been realizing time and again how important that really is. I love politics. 
I was a government major in college. I've always followed elections and policy debates. And I like arguing among friends and family members. But sometimes, lately, I just can't. I just can't. I can't do one more disagreement with some relative who is not as enlightened as I am. And it's time to press pause. Now, I've been going to protests and rallies and marches since I was 11. And I love making signs and I love making a point. But I noticed at the end of this year's Women's March, all I wanted to do was go someplace and eat a lot of food. And I was horrified by the attention of immigration activist Ravi Ragbir a couple of weeks ago. Many of us were down there. And I was happy to show my horror at that by getting arrested myself. And when I was finally released, hours and hours later, my first thought was, wow, I'm out in time to show up at the 5 p.m. rally at the ICE office at Varick Street. And my second thought was, I just want to go home. (laughs) I just want to go home. And you know how much I like working here. Or if you didn't know that, you know it now. (laughs) Some days I get in at 6 in the morning, excited about checking in on the shelter or checking with the food pantry volunteers or getting started typing up the bulletin for the following week or something. But by 1 or 2 in the afternoon... Or some days by 11 in the morning, I get this look from Lee, (laughs) and she says, you need to get out of here now, please. And sometimes she doesn't say please. (laughs) Time to press pause. I thought briefly, don't get scared, but I thought briefly about having time during the sermon when we would just stop for a minute or two or three or even 30 seconds. And there are some of you who would would love that, would relish some time where we could just sit and meditate and come out refreshed. And I know there are others more like me who would just be agitated and start thinking of all the things we're supposed to be doing and maybe even thinking of those few moments as, as wasted time. Such a shame, but it's true, and I understand that. And so I have a different idea. Here it is. During communion, during the celebration of the Lord's Supper, there are those moments, you know, when you're waiting for the ushers to usher you up. There are those moments when you're just sitting there, and you're thinking that the action is up here at the rail. But maybe it's not. Maybe the spiritual action is happening exactly where you are. I'd like to suggest that we see that time as valuable, as a resource for you, as a time to recharge and reconnect. That's what communion means, after all, reconnection. Beyond that, beyond today, I am suggesting to you that the next time you might be tempted to think of a moment as wasted time, think of it as a resource. Think of it as 
time to recharge and reconnect. Like when you get to the train station and that little sign that's up there is telling you have four minutes to wait till the next train. And ordinarily, you'd be like, four minutes? What? I got time for four minutes of waiting for the... No, but to think of it as a resource, a gift, a time to reconnect and to just be, to recharge. Or when you show up for a lunch appointment or a meeting and the other person or the people are late and you're tempted to be annoyed... Just say, thank God. Thank God they're late. That's time for me to be. That's a resource. A time to recharge. A time to reconnect. I have a lousy record at keeping spiritual disciplines. I shouldn't tell you that. But I just did. I'm bad at setting out time for meditation and prayer and sticking to that. That is one more way you can tell that I'm not Jesus. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are many moments during the day when I'm just waiting, when I'm waiting for what's supposed to happen. But instead, I can wait on the Lord. I can say, thank God, that's time for me to be. To just be, that's a resource for me. That's time to recharge. That's time to reconnect. Because those who wait on the Lord are not wasting our time. Like Jesus, we are renewing our strength. We are rising up on wings like eagles so that we can run and not be weary, so that we can walk and not faint. Because what happens to Jesus? What happens to him in that deserted place where he goes, where people can't find him for a while. People find him, right? Simon and the friends are all out hunting for him, it says. They're hunting for him, and when they find him, he's not annoyed, is he? He's not irritated. He doesn't act like they've disturbed him, even though they have. He's ready to go. And he tells them, let's go out to all the towns and the villages and proclaim the message, because that's what I came here to do. I know that things are crazy. I know that things are stressful. I know that you have things that are irritating your life. If you can make time, set aside extra time for prayer and meditation, great. God bless you. Do it. But if you can't, or if you feel like you can't, Just use that time you have already, those moments that you were thinking of as wasted moments. Not to wait in irritation and distress, but wait on the Lord. Press pause. And all you have to do is pause a while.